0: On this
1: edition of the Iowa Business Report. I won't call it a high tax state, but it's higher than I think it needs to be, and I think uh, that was a good move on the governor's part.
0: Statistics show that growing population may be closely tied to reducing tax burden. More data showing a positive outlook for Iowa businesses. And in our business profile, we'll hear about a family business that is really popping. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of April, 2022.
2: The Iowa Business
0: Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Earlier this year, Governor Kim Reynolds rolled out a proposal for a flat tax on Iowa individual income. The proposal was tweaked by lawmakers and is now part of Iowa law. The correlation between lower income tax and population growth is something that Creighton University economist Dr. Ernie Goss has studied at length.
1: Jeff, in my judgment and my estimation, this is going to have a positive impact on the overall Iowa economy. Why is that? Well, in today's world, state and local governments are going to have to, got to be more competitive. In other words, with the passage of the 2017 tax reform bill, which uh, limits the deductibility of, of state and local taxes to $10,000, which means that states that have high tax burdens are not going to be allowed to push it off on another state. So Iowa, by reducing its uh, tax burden, is at least taking that into account because some states like, for example, New York and California and Illinois, with very large state and local tax burdens relative to their overall economy, they were pushing off their tax burdens to Iowans and Nebraskans and Minnesotans by having it be deductible on their federal taxes. So now there will be less of that going on. And so what had happened is individuals had become much more mobile, and they're moving out of these high-tax states, and that would have included Iowa as well. Iowa's, I won't call it a high-tax state, but it's higher than I think it needs to be, and I think uh, that was a good move on the governor's part.
0: You had posted at your blog not only just the comments that you've made, but specific tables that showed demonstrably Over the course of the five-year period since this federal tax reform went into place, there's such a direct correlation between migration away from or toward a state and their tax rate.
1: It just makes the case so clearly. Explain it, if you would, for us. Each of us is incentivized with higher incomes better than lower incomes. So when you cut my taxes, you increase my income, assuming you don't eat it up in some other taxes. Now, Iowa happens to be lucky. Has been lucky for a number of years. You're bumped up against uh, Illinois, which is an even higher tax state. But you have South Dakota, we have that border. South Dakota has no income tax. Then you have Missouri, which has is a low tax state. Now you have Nebraska on this the western side. Nebraska is in line with Iowa. Now Minnesota, of course, is a high tax state as well. So your Iowa has been surrounded by. Relatively high tax states, but Nebraska is taking steps to reduce their income taxes. I haven't seen much movement in terms of the other neighbors, but South Dakota, again, doesn't have a, an income tax. So, individuals and in if you have your business, you can move in Sioux City, Iowa. Why not move to Dakota Dooms, South Dakota if you can? Again, other factors the same, I'm speaking of, of course. Am
0: I reading the chart correctly that you have assembled? The 10 highest tax rate states, and then the 10 lowest tax rate states, and then in the aggregate looked at the net migration, and in the 10 highest tax rate states, they lost 1.8% of population, but in the 10 lowest tax rate states, they gained almost that same amount of 1.6%. is just stark that I imagine for an
1: economist, you say, there could not be a better corollary than this. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's not just the average. Almost every state, if you take the top 10 and the bottom 10, almost every state has that same trend. In other words, Florida, for example, very low tax state had a significant in-migration. Now, people will say, well, that's because of the weather. No, there are other factors. If you look at some of those states, you see that they attracted in-migration and the weather's not all that great. What we see in economics, if you're gonna have economic factors that aren't good, you better have compensating differentials. What does that mean? Well, in Colorado, if you got a high tax burden, you can offer them mountains. But if you're in Iowa and Nebraska, I mean, I love this part of the country, but those of us who don't live here see that as well, that's cold there. What about the mountains? I wanna go mountain climbing. Well, that's a little difficult. There are mountains in both states, but the compensating differentials. So do you take states like uh, Colorado? They've moved to low tax status. You've got the states that don't even have an income tax. You've got Texas, Tennessee, Wyoming, South Dakota, Nevada. The list is fairly long. We're talking about Washington fairly long, and some of those states also have other factors that incentivize individuals to move there. Now, in Iowa, Iowa does not tax Social Security benefits. Now, that's a darn good thing. We've got a baby boom bubble. We've got half of the baby boom bubble, almost half, is above Social Security retirement age and half under it. Well, as those individuals move, they're going to move some of their income and move it to where it's not taxed. Now, Nebraska does tax Social Security wages, so we're incentivizing, at least as we you and I talked today, to move from Omaha to Council Bluffs. I can almost throw a rock and hit uh, Council (laughs) Bluffs. I'm not going to do that now. (laughs) Don't do that, but I could. So moving across the river, they're going to incentivize individuals to do that.
0: I'm struck by the number about New York. New York suffered a 3.7 percent negative Net migration, 3.7% of the population left in that five-year period. What does it do when you have these large cities in these states that have the high tax level? I think New York is uh, one of the very highest in the country. You get people to leave, it's darn hard to replace them, and what does that do to the overall economy? In other words, if New York starts suffering economically, how does that trickle down to those of us in the Midwest?
1: It's like um, you have in areas, county, 99 counties in Iowa and 93 in Nebraska, when you have a significant out-migration for those, some of those rural counties, and they have in mm-hmm. Iowa and Nebraska, yeah. it leaves the cost of infrastructure is left to be shared by fewer and fewer in population. So in this case, and what's happened in New York, you've got a person named Senator Schumer who's trying to get the 2017 portion of the state and local tax deduction increased Mm -hmm. so that somebody can live in one of those $2 million condominiums and then take the property taxes off and the interest off. And of course, that means that somebody in Iowa or Nebraska is going to have to pay that nice condominium. What it does in New York for the state, it leaves accepting where the federal government, they can coerce or entice or incentivize the federal government to give them more money in other words some sort of who knows what kind of program to give to New York Uh, for example uh, we've got the uh, rail system in New York that's funded uh, a lot by federal dollars that's part of it but absent that the people left have to share the cost of the infrastructure that would be highways that would be airports Others, the schools where your enrollments in schools comes down, the costs are left to be shared by those who remain.
0: Creighton University economist Dr. Ernie Goss. We connected via Zoom on Thursday, March 31. You can read his blog entries online at economictrends.blogspot.com. Still to come, Tempered Optimism and the story of a growing family business that has young but experienced leadership. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. A politician wearing a bow tie walks into a bar and orders a pint of Guinness. Where is he? Why, in Waterloo, of course. The clip-on bow tie was invented in Waterloo, Iowa in 1918 at the same location where Jameson's Public House is today, in the city where the bowtie-sporting Quentin Hart proudly serves as mayor, which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit, stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. The Iowa Business Council surveys its members each quarter regarding their outlook for the next six months. And as Joe Murphy of the Iowa Business Council told me recently, those businesses are looking forward to this new second quarter of the year.
2: We're just down slightly across the board. Still, all of our indicators are in that 60-point threshold or higher, well above that 50% threshold to be measured positive. The big thing, I think, for our members, again, continuing on the workforce scene that we've talked about so many different times, but we also expected the supply chain issues to get a little bit better as we work through this first quarter. unfortunately for iowa companies and manufacturers that has not been the case that is still causing some heartburn for our members a lot of heartburn obviously the situation at the ports continue supply chain delays based on the war in ukraine has definite and a real effect here at home in the heartland in iowa and something that we continue to have to work through iowa companies prove again and again to be resilient and, and this will be no different
0: Sales expectations hmm. drop just a little bit quarter to quarter, survey to survey. And I find that interesting because of inflation, frankly. Is there anything to account for the factor of inflation or why the sales number may have been down a little bit even with this uh, 8 9 10% inflation?
2: I think we're seeing demand still at a very high level but perhaps potentially tapering off or plateauing off a bit you know as we saw in the fourth quarter and the third quarter of 2021 demand really exceeding production for so many goods and services, as we would expect still a lot of liquidity out there in the economy right now. But as things kind of level off, I think that's really the issue that we're seeing there. Again, solidly in the in the positive, but as people continue to struggle with, with workforce and continue to struggle with the supply chain issues and, and overall regulations, I think The reality is, is that companies and individuals and others are maybe, you know, hitting the pause on some of their sales and then expenditures as well.
0: And I imagine post pandemic, people were very eager to get back out there. And so you might have had an artificial increase in sales for a limited period of time. This might be, if you will, right sizing of the whole thing. Yeah.
2: I totally agree with that sentiment as well. This measures, you know, levels of optimism looking ahead into the into the six months coming off of the most recent variant. I think, you know, really spooked a lot of individuals. Rightfully so. We understand that, but but hopefully we're finally over the hump on this as cases continue to really flatten out and bottom out, which is great news. Vaccines continue to go well, and that's really the report from us. We're, we're very optimistic about the future. Yeah, we'd like to have some things different, but considering where we've been, this is Welcome News.
0: Full details on the new survey can be found at iowabusinesscouncil.org. Coming up, it's more than just a quick snack food. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
3: Are you experiencing farm FOMO? It's the fear of missing out on opportunities to make every soybean acre you farm more profitable. Luckily, FOMO is easy to overcome. Just tap into your Iowa Soybean Association benefits courtesy of the Soybean Checkoff. Be among the first to receive agronomic research results, timely soy news, producer education invites, and so much more. Connect today at IASoybeans.com.
0: Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council. A nonpartisan, nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the annual competitive dashboard data by going to IowaBusinessCouncil.org. In this week's Business Profile segment, we'll introduce you to Sydney Rickhoff, CEO and co owner of Rickhoff Family Businesses LLC you might be more familiar with their signature business, the Almost Famous Popcorn Company. They just completed a major acquisition, and despite the fact that the company's CEO is a 23-year-old recent college graduate, there is a lot of hard-earned experience behind every bag of gourmet popcorn they sell.
3: So we are Almost Famous Popcorn Company, we're based out of Cedar Rapids, but expanding quickly across the state. We are a gourmet popcorn company that also provides delicious ice cream within um, our retail locations. We started in 2012. My brother Carter and I started two smaller companies that eventually grew into Almost Famous as a way to kind of dip our feet into the world of entrepreneurship. At that time, I was going into my freshman year of high school and he was in middle school. So we're definitely very young, but wanted that kind of adventure and just experience to have our own business and to try to to make something grow. Following our start in 2012, we had two stands within the Nubo City Market in Cedar Rapids. Eventually, about a year and a half later, we decided to merge those two together and take over our own space across the street within a hundred plus year old beautiful building that we're still in today for our Cedar Rapids location. Over time, we found more opportunities and and really started to think of this business less as a hobby and more as something that could have some substance. Um, It's something that we wanted to share with the state and the region. So we've also continued to grow and have opened a store in the East Village of Des Moines. We've opened a full-time factory in Cedar Rapids and most recently closed on the acquisition of another popcorn company in western Iowa in the town of Sac City called Noble Popcorn and are growing that way as well.
0: A lot of families when they work together it's a tremendous dynamic but it's hard to turn it off at the end of the day. Have you found as this has grown and developed and everyone is merged in together, that it's a little hard to say, okay, I'm now a sibling or I'm now a child and I'm not the CEO of the company.
3: For sure. And that's something that I think we're constantly working to improve. I was really lucky in college to take a great class, actually at our business school on family businesses. And we just had a really terrific professor who'd bring in um, a lot of great speakers from family businesses. And I think the biggest thing I took away from that is these feelings are totally normal. And if you don't have that, that's probably weirder than, um, than this clash of dynamics. So yeah, it's a constant work in progress. I'd say my experience outside of the company while still being involved with the company at the same time prior to me coming back in as CEO a few months ago really helped me to kind of get that mindset of, okay, what's business and what's personal and how can I separate those two things? So I'm constantly looking every day To make that not only easier on myself, but easier for my entire family to be able to kind of juggle those dynamics and really turn off whenever we can.
0: How did the name of the popcorn company come about? I understand the name of the LLC, but what about the popcorn company itself?
3: There's a couple of reasons we chose the name Almost Famous. First and foremost being a few years back, we were named by Orbitz, the travel company, one of the top five popcorn shops in the country along with some very famous shops, like a particularly famous one you may know in the Chicagoland area. And we said, this shows that we're just as good as some of these other companies. We're just not quite as famous, but we're almost famous. So we thought that was a fun play. In addition, we really want to build this brand to be more than just a popcorn company, but something that's there for all of those almost famous moments that pop in people's lives. It it really helps to remind us that this Purpose is bigger than just popcorn. It's about bringing people together and and really making people happy.
0: But it seems there's a lot of people trying to get into this niche lately. So what separates almost
3: famous? We like to think there's a lot of things that separate us into what we call our innovation stack um, and just a collection of things that separate us apart from others. First and foremost, obviously, being the quality of the product. We don't sacrifice on ingredients and are willing to pursue those. Extra premium, pricier products to go in as inputs to then create a product that we're really proud of. And that sometimes means selling outside of the popcorn aisle and taking a fresh approach as to what that product is pitched to as a consumer. But that allows us to maintain that quality that a lot of companies lose as they go and try to drive costs down. So we'd say that that is first and foremost just. The biggest part of our product that we love our customer service we try to maintain that level of midwestern kind of iowa nice and truly care for our customers and you know that's why we are where we are today and so that's something that you know has always been a part of this company and is something that we will pursue um, with all we have going forward
0: when we have a conversation 10 years from now i mean right now you're growing like crazy the original locations in Cedar Rapids, East Village, which is really an area that has been on the rise for some time, and now acquiring the Noble Company. All right, so where are you at in 10 years with this?
3: In 10 years, you know, we really hope to be a national brand at that point. Kind of our next step here is we're going to continue to focus on Iowa. There's a lot of untapped market that we have yet to get to and to share our product with. We love the Midwest. We want to share across the states that border us, and, and we think that would just be fantastic. But truly, we do have our eyes set eventually on being um, that national top-notch popcorn brand that when you think of a highly indulgent popcorn snack, you think of Almost Famous.
0: Sydney Rickhoff of Almost Famous Popcorn Company, online at almostfamouspopcorn.com. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, April 5th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at TotallyIowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.